1: We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share
0: tips and encouragement and remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 290 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here, as always, with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Sarah. So we have a big topic today, and I was laughing a little bit as we prepared this because this is our sixth year, I guess, of holiday content, and we we end up always coming back to this, right? This is about um, how to resist and kind of almost protect yourself from the pressure to be the quote-unquote perfect holiday mom. And while it's not intentionally um, an annual thing, it, it, I guess it kind of is, and that's that's just because we all need to hear this, right?
0: Yeah. And I also want to point out that this is what your 13th year Christmas holiday as a mom and my 24th holiday as a mom. And sometimes I still need these reminders. So like this stuff doesn't go away. Like the culture around us us changes constantly. So even when you think you've got it figured out, there's something new that gets kind of externally thrown at you. Um, And you have to really like, you really have to be able to go back and double down on your values and like what you believe to be true about yourself and your parenting and and like what matters to you and sometimes like you have to do it it's like a practice you have to do a lot
1: i i totally agree and as we were kind of coming up with the types of pressures moms face during the holidays um we'll get into it but i definitely feel some of these it's not that you or i are like we've solved it and we've figured out how not to you know put expectations on ourselves or you know, kind of lose ourselves in the process of making the kids happy. Like you and I experience these things in real time every year, but maybe with some added perspective, because we've been at it a little bit longer. um, And we've just, like you said, a practice. So the way today's going to work is we're going to talk generally about just how to um, resist is maybe the wrong word, but how to reframe this external pressure to be perfect during the holidays. And then we're going to go into some very specific ways that our listeners in our Facebook group Share that they are experiencing this, and I think that's important because, um, for example, I don't really feel pressure to like um, hand make teacher gifts every year. For example, I don't, but some people do, and I think it's really worth looking at what are the external pressures. Maybe we can help each other out by by you know sharing that not everybody is in a, a friend circle or a community that places value on Elf on the Shelf, but maybe in another circle everybody's doing it and you feel right. left out. So I think yeah. broadening like kind of educating everybody about like, okay, this seems like everybody's doing it, but are they really? Like, maybe not. Right. And then a little later, we're going to get into Instagram comparison culture, which is, I mean, it just came up over and over again, right? Yeah,
0: it really did. And I think it's really important, um, specifically not just to Instagram, but just what people are sharing right now. The holidays are a time that are ramped up. People are just doing more stuff, which means more people are sharing more stuff. More people are Mm -hmm. feeling more pressure. More people are just doing more things and making more things and all that. So again, we've talked about this on the show so many times, but the collective effect can be that it starts to feel like everyone is doing something. And that's because maybe 0.5% of the people in your feed have said Mm -hmm. something about it, but it feels like everybody because you don't see people posting a picture of them not doing like teacher crafts or, you know, gifts. Nobody posts about this year they're not doing those things. People tend to post things that they're doing, especially on a visual medium like Instagram. So um, I think that's definitely worth pointing out as well.
1: Yeah. um, I think it's really, I think it's changed so much since even you and I have been on the internet creating content. So we were talking, you know, offline before we started recording we'll get into it later. Like I really feel for some of the moms a few years younger than we are for only having experienced, that kind of visual representation of yes. the holidays, uh, motherhood at the holidays, because you and I are just just old enough to remember right. a time before that. So that's right. um, really interesting. So before we kind of get into the nitty gritty, I, I want to offer three kind of questions or a framework um, that I think we all can apply, even you and me, Megan, when we're facing something that feels like something we should do or something that a perfect mom would do over the holidays. And so I'll just kind of go through them and feel free to feel free to chime in, Megan. But these, I think this framework works no matter what you feel pressured to do. So as we talk through and maybe you relate or don't relate to some of the pressures, I think these work um, no matter what. And the first question is, does this truly matter to me? Um, And sometimes that takes a little soul searching because we can Mm -hmm. think things matter because we think we're supposed to do them. And so therefore they matter, but that's not what I'm talking about. Right. They should matter. But no, does this really matter to me? And if not, does it truly matter to someone I love? Because that's also related, right? Like I may not love Christmas Eve service at church and getting all dressed up and dragging the kids out when they should be in bed. But if it really truly matters to someone I love, maybe then that's a reason enough. And I'm not going to tell you whether you should or shouldn't do things for the people you love. You can decide that. But that's a question to ask. Does this really matter to me? And if not, is it important enough to someone I love that I'm willing to do it anyway?
0: And let me make a quick, I don't know, caveat to that as well. Like, does this truly matter to me? Even that needs to be kind of picked apart because you might think it truly matters to you, but really (laughs) what it matters is how it looks if you do it or don't do it. Mm. And so you might be like, or how you think it looks. Right. So you might be like, oh yeah, it totally matters to me to do this. But then if you really pick it apart and think, did I actually get any joy out of this? Did I actually, did this enhance my, my holiday experience or add value? And if it didn't, then is it truly you that cares or is it a perception that you should, or that someone else will care? Um, even I feel like the more you pick the stuff apart, the better. (laughs)
1: yeah and I think that's um that is a really good point, and probably why it's not the only question we have to right. answer. you know we <laughs> right. have to look at these other questions because it is it gets confusing um, so here's another one: is the process joyful or meaningful to me, um, or at the very least is the process worth it? and I just want to remind everybody that when you're seeing a decorated home or Christmas tree, when you're seeing matching pajamas or a Christmas card beautifully designed, you're seeing a product, right? You're seeing an end product. Um, and you may want to put together some end products, a gingerbread house or a beautifully set table. But remember that there is a process behind the product that takes time and money. In, in almost every case, it takes one of those two things or a combination of both. So really asking yourself, is the process joyful or meaningful to me? Or at the very minimum, is it worth the effort to get to that product. Um, so for me, I actually enjoy the process of um, designing a holiday card. I enjoy stamping and addressing envelopes. I enjoy getting the mail and sending mail. So for me, a holiday card would be something that is worth the process, or I enjoy the process enough that it, it's not a hassle. But I don't enjoy crafting for teachers or putting together like cute little um, baskets for like helpers in my life, like teachers and mailmen. I have no interest in that, so I do cash and a nice note. Um, because the process isn't worth the product. So I think that's another important question to ask yourself.
0: I totally agree. And I want to add to that again, to say like, sometimes the process is all that matters. And the, in the end, the product is going to be a hot mess or yeah. nothing you would ever take a picture of and share. Like you might hang it on your tree because you're proud of it or because doing it with your child was fun, but it's not something that is the product is like beside the point or the product is is, who cares? Like the product isn't the point at all. So like you can both say, is it worth the process to get to the product or is it worth the crappy product to have the process? Mm -hmm. You know, both of those things, it's just two different ways to look at it. And it probably depends on whether you think of yourself as someone who likes to do some of these things that can end up kind of messy or where there's a learning curve. Like this year, I finally decided to get serious about embroidery. My first embroidery projects are not going to look great. Right. But I have to get through that learning curve to get to where the product is worth it. So the process is worth it in kind of a long roundabout way.
1: A macro way or like a like right. a meta way for you. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think this is a good thing to remember, too, as we're looking. We'll, we'll talk later a lot about Instagram comparison culture. But when you are seeing other people's final product and kind of wishing having that little pang of jealousy or like, I should have done that, just train your brain to think, do I it would be great to have that beautifully decorated treat. Do I want the time and money investment that that person had to go through to get it? Because so often we're not seeing the process and maybe it was worth it for that person, or maybe they were paid to do it. We'll get into influencer culture later, but um, just kind of separating the process and product and, you know, asking that question of yourself. And then the last question I I borrowed this, I'm going to give credit to Whitney Hawthorne, who I interviewed for our November voices episode um, and she's a corporate working mom with a lot of like productivity and time blocking strategies for working moms. And her question that she asks herself is, what if I don't? And this is so simple, but with the holidays and all of these things that we can pile on our to do list, it's a very simple question. What if I don't do that? And I would add in a COVID year, what if I don't do that this year? I don't I don't have to never do it again. But what if I do don't organize that party this year? Or what if I don't yeah. do teacher gifts at all? Like, and, and I, you can ask this question in a radical way. What if, like, what if we have no, I don't know, like no family commitments this year? Um, what if, what if we say no to everything? And so asking yourself that regularly, um, usually the answer is it's not gonna, like the world's it's not, not as devastating
0: apart. as your exactly. like fight or flight, you know, <laughs> response. Cause I think sometimes like, Risking, like changing or eliminating things that you've been used to doing, it does create like a panic response almost. Mm-hmm. But what if you logically think it through? You're like, oh, it really wouldn't be so bad, or oh, maybe it would be great actually. Um, yeah. So yeah, I love that
1: one. As a planner personality, for me, I am pretty good at um, saying no to things in advance. So like, if I look at the December calendar and think. You know, we're not going to take the kids individual shopping dates this year because it's COVID. That would be really hard, if not impossible, and it would stress me out. So I'm pretty good at setting boundaries when I'm planning ahead. What I'm not so good at is the what if I don't in the moment. Like, mm. what if we were planning on getting the tree tonight and someone's melting down or like Brian had to work late? Like, I'm not as good about asking myself, well, what if we don't do that tonight, even though it was planned? Do you know what right. I mean? So it's yeah. like I can be good about those boundaries in some senses, but in the moment, I need to get better. And I feel like you're good at this, Megan, because you are more spontaneous. So you're, you're so good about just like rescheduling things that you don't, like, I don't feel like don't, doing, yeah. they don't, well, that don't make sense in the yeah. context of a day. And I'm more likely to white knuckle it through the plan for the sake of the plan, I guess. Yeah.
0: Well, I think this is very much an Enneagram one thing that you, you don't want to, and actually talked a lot about this with, um, Ashley Brown, who I just did an interview with, about, uh, from routine and things. And we talked about routines and it is very much a, a a personality thing for you to not commit to something until you're pretty sure you can do it well. Yeah. Like so you'll commit when you think you can pull it off. The and I'll commit to whatever, I don't care. I don't know if I can do it or not. <laughs> Sounds good, let's try it. The thing is for me my commitments always have an out clause uh-huh. in the back of my head because I'm part of me is always like, yeah, but you know, there's a good there's not a good chance, but there's a chance I'm not going to feel like doing this on that day. And, and certain things are harder for me to back out of than others. Um, like social engagements are hard for me to back out of. But when it's just me and my family that is involved, I'm very good at being like. So on the flip side, I take more on than I should. And then I right. edit in the moment. Uh-huh. And you probably limit yourself by not taking yeah. on as much as you could. But then when you've committed, then you feel like you have to do it.
1: Yes. Not only do I feel like I have to do it, but I'm less likely to accept, um, like engage in spontaneous plans because I feel like I've already put the pieces in place. So right. there's no room for more. So I have to stick with the things I may not want to do. And I I may not add things that would be really fun because it feels like too much. So, yeah, that is you're right. That is such a personality thing. So it is. OK, so the questions again just are, does this truly matter to me? Truly, truly, truly. And not just because I think I should do it. Um, Is the process joyful or meaningful or at the very minimum worth the effort? And then what if I don't? What if I don't do that thing this year? Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option.
0: Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion, and because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine
1: definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use
0: code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor Haya is back on the show today, and I just really love this company. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk most parents don't really want their growing kids eating. That's why Haya, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered chewable vitamin, was created.
1: That's right, Megan. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full-body nourishment they need. And Haya vitamins have a yummy taste kids love, too. So we were just talking to Katie on our team, Megan, and she was saying that when they get down toward the bottom of the Haya vitamin bottle, her boys are fighting over who gets the last one.
0: Oh, I love it. And I also love that Katie can feel good about that, right? Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door, so parents never need to worry about running out. And we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults.
1: Okay. So in our Facebook community, we kind of put a call out for these types of, um, suggestions of ways moms are feeling pressure to be perfect. And I thought it was interesting because it's easy to, uh, not diminish, but like, it's easy to say like, Oh, don't worry about that. Just don't stress about it. Just opt out of that. And, and I, as someone who can be a stress case, I have sometimes felt, um, like a little bit picked on for like, why don't you just relax? Why don't you just be more, a little easy, more, more easygoing. Um, But I think when we realize that everybody is everybody takes on these expectations a little bit differently and it's helpful to see like, oh, wow, for some people, this is really a family dynamic. And for other people, it might not be. So as we go through, Megan, I thought we could just share whether whether we've experienced this kind of pressure or maybe not. So Um, the first one is um, perfect holiday moms are responsible for buying for everyone on the list, including in-laws. And then um, that was from Halston and Tessa kind of echoed the same. She said, perfect holiday moms facilitate gift giving from all their extended family to their kids, ensuring no mother-in-law or grandparent gives an unwanted or duplicate gift and make sure their kids send beautiful handwritten thank you notes back to acknowledge each gift. So basically here we're talking about the mental load and emotional labor of not just buying your kids gifts that they will love, but farming out ideas to um, generous extended family. Yeah. this is like my whole life. So why don't you go first? Because I have a lot to say on this.
0: Yeah. So this is something that has been in Well, first of all, I don't have in-laws anymore. Um, That eliminates a big part of the problem. And I still do give my former mother-in-law a a photo book most years. I think I forgot last year, but I, most years I have given her one from, you know, for me, not like, it's not something I have to do, but I really feel like there's no expectation for me to do anything like that anymore. So when I pull it off, I'm like pretty happy with myself. I. I am a people pleaser, um, who tries not, who tries to create structure around my life that makes so that I don't have to please as many people. I don't really know Uh how else to put that, but like, I I know my tendencies and my tendency is if the thing is that everyone's buying everyone else gifts and I love to buy gifts. So I get caught up in the idea that it's going to be fun. And then you realize you're buying for people you don't really know, or you don't spend time with, and you don't know what they need. And it's really hard to do that affordably. And in a way that is at all fun. So um, the thing that I think I did really, really well was early on, like maybe three years into being married, I finally was just like, we're not doing this anymore. We're like, I feel so much pressure to buy for all these people. And we, on my now ex-husband's side, we were the first ones to have kids. So nobody else had started having kids yet. So we actually had the freedom to shape culture around that pretty yeah. drastically. So we were just able to be like, look, let's just do a a, a gift draw for all the adults. So just one gift, you know, mm-hmm. out of eight adults or whatever. And we'd buy something for his mom, but I put that back on him because I didn't know. And then for the kids, it was basically like, we don't expect you to buy our kids gifts. Like we'd almost yeah. rather you didn't. But everybody yeah. wanted to. And there were few enough of us that it wasn't a big deal. On my side, my brother and I basically decided we were not going to do gifts. Like we just weren't going to do them at the holidays. We weren't going to do them for each other's kids. There's 14 of the kids, there's 14 kids yeah. and there's eight adults or there were eight adults. And so we just kind of made that decision. And there was pushback from people in the family who were used to giving gifts. And we, and they kept saying, do you mean really no gifts then? So like, we're not doing anything at all. Like mm-hmm. nobody's going to have any gifts. I'm like, we're not, that's not going to be part of the celebration. And that was really intentional. Just, I just know myself. And I know that if I had to buy for 14 children and eight adults, I would lose my mind. Like that would become the entire focus of my holiday. And I really, I really, really dislike or feel that that particular emotional labor is very unfair to moms. And it's so rampant that it Mm -hmm. like makes me really kind of mad on a like just on this like system level. That, why is this the system? Like it, why really is kind this of,
1: the expectation? Yes, yeah.
0: Like I get like, I'm mad for everybody, not just for myself. Like <laughs> I, like I'm mad on behalf of all the moms. And so I think I got mad early and just decided like, I'm going to make a point about this of opting out to where it, it became like a, like a sticking point for me. And I couldn't see myself going back the other way. And I love to give gifts. That's not the problem. It's, it's the expectation and the, yeah, yeah the pressure.
1: And the nice thing is, um, you can now speak to having done that years and years and years ago and you all turned out okay. Christmases were merry. People still love each other. Like everyone got over it.
0: Everyone still got gifts from other, from other people, you know, like everybody got stuff. It's not like people, anybody went gift list
1: as you were talking, I was thinking not only would you have been the one to buy gifts for those 14 kids and eight adults, but you would have started getting questions, especially as the kids got older. What do the boys want? What's on their list this year? And this is the other very dark and very sinister piece of this that I feel really strongly about. And Halston, I didn't read Halston's whole comment, but she said, so many of my friends are also pressured to shop and wrap gifts from their in-laws to their own children. No. So we have gone, we've gone from like, (laughs) hey, honey, what do the kids want? What's on the kids list? And like, sure, you know, put here, put a leg on the phone, tell grandma what you want for Christmas, which should have been a very simple, very simple thing, or write it in a letter, send it off to now mom is the arbiter and the, um, like the communications director for like an enterprise, which is what do all the children, what size are they? What size of shoes are they wearing right now? Um, I'll just be very transparent and say it is very imbalanced in my family. There is one side that buys more, gives more, and also wants more help with what Mm. the kids want. And it starts as early as like September, October. Um, And it's been a source of stress for me, my entire motherhood holiday life, and I've learned to deal with it. But an unfortunate side effect is that because there's one arm of the family that really goes all out and really wants detailed lists and wants, you know, my input or mine and Brian's input or wants us to, you know, have the kids write it down. And it just turns into like a to-do, to do to be honest, like a like a thing we have to do that when it comes time for the other relatives to innocently ask like, Hey, any ideas for the kids this Christmas? It's like my back. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when you like yell at the wrong kid, like one kid's been bugging you all day and then the nice kid you turn around and snap at them and you feel so terrible. Like that happens every single year because I'm tapped out. I've finally given all the ideas. And then like another family member who just really wants to buy them like something for like $15, like a calendar or whatever. Um, and then I'm like, I can't talk about this anymore. Like, I'm so done. So it has been a huge, I'm just, just being honest, it's been a, a lot of a mental and emotional load on me. And I don't really have a solution. But if you're like, if you're hardcore in that space, it can feel like you're being ungrateful to complain about it. And I'm just giving you permission to complain. Our Facebook group is a very safe place, by the way, to um, air any grievances along these lines. And then, and then we move on and talk about other stuff.
0: Well, Sarah, since it's not my family, can I complain about this mystery? Can yeah. I validate you by just yeah. pointing out all the reasons this is making my blood pressure rise? And this, <laughs> and by the way, it easily could have gone this way with several factions of my family. So I see it. Like, I see how this happens. It's like this slippery slope. And I think there was like a self-preservation reason that for me, it kicked in early that I just refused to do yeah. it. Um, And I'm not going to draw any conclusions about your family or whoever, you know, whichever side it is. But I have found that sometimes the people that need the most handholding or want the most suggestions, then don't even end up getting the stuff that you asked them to get in the first place. (laughs) So then like they maybe get it half right, but they don't get it all the way right. Meanwhile, you have now had a prime gift idea plucked Uh from you. You don't get to give that gift now. Yet yep. you still have to, if you're in the case of like what Tessa said, where people have to do all the work of shopping and you still have to do all the work. You don't get to take the credit. You don't yep. get the joy of picking the thing out. You've given that gift away to somebody else. And I'm sorry, unless your in-laws or parents are like deathly ill, <laughs> house ridden. I mean, you can pay services to do this. You, you can go to the toy store, pick out a couple things and have them gift wrap it for you. There is no reason this has to be a thing like it just to put that all on mom just is boggling to my mind. And I, I think there are family dynamics in a lot of families where it's like the same thing where you like all the cousins buy each other gifts, but actually it's the moms all buying the gifts and then wrapping them up and putting the cousin's name on it. I just, I won't play. I don't get it. I don't, there is no reason. (laughs) It's just to have more stuff under the tree. What is the point? Why don't you just give me money? Just give me money and I'll go buy this stuff.
1: Yeah. And, anyway. and you're so right about the farming out of the best ideas, especially whoever gets to you first will be. Yeah. That's what the kids are most excited about because they're starting to look at the catalogs and, you know, tell grandma I want this. And then at the end, I have had Christmases where I look at my husband and I'm like, I, I don't left. know what to get them because yeah. I think they're getting everything. And it's wonderful to have generous family. But it is truly an example of that mental load and emotional labor. Like we've talked, we talked about in that episode from a few weeks ago. It's like, it is the holiday version of that. It's the, the unseen work that goes into keeping all the balls in the air and all the people happy for, for two hours on Christmas morning when they open it up and then, you know, then they forget who gave them what. And, and 99% of that falls to mom. So yeah, I, we can both be mad on everyone's behalf. Well, I thank have two you more for things to say and then I'm okay. going to
0: try to get over it. But one other thing is kids change their minds a lot. So mm-hmm. if people get on there too early, like my kids are changing their minds about what they want up until I say you're done. You can't change your mind anymore. <laughs> but like now, what do I have to go communicate that to everybody who's on the list? Like, oh, by the way, like the, the cutoff date is X, Y, and Z. Did you buy that stuff yet? Can I tell them they can stop changing their minds? I mean... That's something that's built into the way I do gift shopping is like, yeah. I'll let the kids make a list and edit and edit and edit. Now, if I had to keep up with not only their edits, but then communicating the edits to other people, that would make me nutty. Yeah. And Sarah, you and I talk a lot about products and things that solve a problem that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And it would be one thing if you really had no money to buy your kids a single gift and your in-laws wanted to give you money for that. That would be fantastic and amazing and really, yeah. you know, really, 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 really helpful. But if they're just wanting to buy more stuff to put in your house when you could buy the appropriate right. amount of stuff yourself yeah. and then call it quits, it's a problem. It's solving a problem that doesn't. The problem isn't there. There's no problem. You could yeah. just do your own shopping or they could just go get one thing. It doesn't yep. have to be like this big. I just I'm getting like really ans- like really, really up about this right up. now.
1: Well, no, <sighs> we've had we've had moms here in our community that you know, they've asked for things like experience gifts, like a membership to a zoo or a children's museum, which is such a fantastic gift for a young family and where they have met with resistance from parents or in-laws saying, oh no, but we want the kid to have something, you know, giant and plastic to unwrap on Christmas morning. And it's like,
0: and you take your butt to the store and buy it.
1: Well, yeah. And at that (laughs) point, I do feel like almost like Christmas is being hijacked by another generation. And I have felt that way, you know, at times throughout my time and we should probably move on before I say more we
0: have to okay that's fine
1: well this one's kind of easy to debunk or to pick apart and um Danielle but then also Katie Brooke Carol many people said that the expectation of perfect holiday moms is to do Christmas baking or crafts with their kids with the kids being the operative phrase there and enjoy it and I will just say that that's almost impossible for most of us so um I don't put pressure on myself I will either help my kids bake and decorate cookies, but know that I am in service to their creativity. Meaning I'm like, I'm the mom who's there to put flour down and help them roll out the dough. And it's not going to, it's not my project, or I will kick them out of the kitchen and do it myself. And I don't, I don't beat myself up for either one. Like they're two very different things. Um, and I don't really craft. We, I probably do a Christmas craft with the kids or, or myself once every four years we've done, I've done some cute ones, but only when I want to very seldom.
0: Yeah. I um I do love to bake and there are years that I go all out. And there have been many, 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 many years where I buy the slice and bake sugar cookie dough and hand my kids green and red sprinkles and say, go for it. And that's it. And like I mean, probably of the last 24 years, like probably a, a solid 10 were me phoning it in to that degree. And that's fine. Like yeah. they're happy just to like mess up a cookie. They don't really care where it came from, how it was made. Um, this year, my guess is there's a lot of moms feeling more pressure to do crafts with their kids because they're not getting to do that at school. Like remember a year mm-hmm.
1: ago yeah. when,
0: well, your kids are in school, but like a lot of kids aren't and they're not doing like the little graham cracker uh, gingerbread house or yeah. making the little Santa with the, you know, cotton balls or whatever people do. And not even all schools do holidays crafting anymore, but a lot of them still do. And I could see why that, would be, would put some pressure on you to feel like that experience should happen. And I guess my, my piece of advice would be, you can easily not do it, but if you want to do it and you're not into it, make it really easy on yourself. Yeah. Like find exactly. a kit, buy something half pre-made, hand them a paper plate and some, you know, paint and let them just yeah. do something. And then you like, they're getting the experience and you don't, there's not, again, it's not about how it looks in the end.
1: Right. And it's going to be fun. And don't conflate enjoying crafting with enjoying crafting with your children, or not enjoying same. baking and enjoying baking with your children. Because I know we've talked about this, like on the show, but it's just two very different things. Um, and I think even last Christmas, I said I was looking forward to like using my little bit obsessive, compulsive, like detail-orientedness to do some cookies for myself and not include yeah. the kids at all. That's okay. But I think the problem is when we when we think we're supposed to enjoy it. And be like the orchestrator of kid craft or kid baking at the same time. And rarely are those two things the same thing. So it might just help to separate them. So, okay, here's another one. And I kind of alluded to this before, but perfect holiday moms make or buy gifts for neighbors and teachers and mailmen and all their friends and everyone they interact with. And Heather said that. Um, I'm just going to say, no, they don't. You don't have to do that. That's a hard opt out. And some years I do. I never do neighbors and friends personally, Um, but I do sometimes do helpers at different levels. Like sometimes it's just the teachers. Sometimes I do mailmen and paper delivery. And, but like, you just don't have to. Think of this as the whole, your whole life, you will help these people and thank them in different ways. It is not measured by one holiday season, especially not this one.
0: I agree. And this is something that I used to stress about until I finally realized that I am in contact with way too many people to buy them all gifts. So- once you it's kind of like making your wedding gift uh, guest list like once you've gone outside your tightest inner circle it's hard to control because you yeah. have your the next ring out and then the next ring and the next ring but all of those outer rings cross over so yeah. like it's really hard to say like which of the people have made an impact on me enough or make an impact on my daily life or are the right people to gift and i think at one point i just realized like i almost choose a different category every year and find some way to gift or reward that person at the holiday. And then I don't stress about it. And when it comes to like neighbors and friends, um, that is truly just if I'm in the spirit. And if I see something I think a friend would love and I get it and I give it to them, great. But that doesn't mean I'm going to get a gift for all my other friends or neighbors. Like it's, it's truly just like, what do I feel like doing as far as gifts? And I think the year that, that finally kind of set me in that, um, I don't know on that path was this year. I had decided that I was going to be like, you know, miss manners about it and <laughs> gift everybody that I, that did a service for me. And there's a lot of people who do services for you that you're, you're not even thinking about, or you're not even sure if it's okay to tip that person or whatever. Yeah. And in this case, it was the trash collectors. And I had a, I had a card with, I think like, I don't know. I had, I had looked up online to see what was legal to get, cause you can't give your mailman money and all this stuff. So, um, I think I had just like a gift card in a a card and I realized because I hadn't been looking at the calendar that today was trash day and it was the last (laughs) trash day before the holiday and I chased them down the road in like my bathrobe and slippers (laughs) and like bare legs hanging out underneath my bathrobe and gave them the gift and they were, you know, I guess appreciative and I felt ridiculous and I went home and thought, you know, I could have just waited until New Year's. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, they'd still I really could have waited. It. Yeah. And also it, they came really early and I was like, I'm never doing that again. I've never caught them since. And there's been years I thought if I do catch them, I'll just give them this gift card. I'm not going to bother like setting it aside. And I just don't catch them. They're just fast and it yeah. just hasn't worked out. And I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to feel bad about it.
1: I, just I will to admit not. to occasionally having spreadsheets where I put down the date in December when I will like last see each of those people, hairstylist, the woman who used to clean our house, um, the trash, the landscaper. And some years I've done it and I've executed on it all. And some years I just haven't done it at all. So I get it. This is one where I, I get the pressure to um systemize it or systematize right. it because it feels like that will be easier, but, but you have to want that process again, like the process product, like you have to want to f- like, go through the process of mass gift giving like that. Cause it's a very different experience than the picking out of the gifts for your own family. So, okay. So Jill brought this one up and it will sound familiar. And that is the mental load on mom of making and keeping the schedule and all the things that go with it of the light parade, the Santa pictures, the travel plans, the parties with friends, the school events, the work parties, the list goes on and on. And of course, Jill, all of us know that this COVID year is different, but, Guess what? That's going to come back real quick as soon as we're as soon as right. our you know life is back to normal. So, I mean, yes, I think this is always a mental load on mom. What do you think?
0: Oh, yeah. Um and just this is a good time to mention the blog series that I've been working on. We've got a new post going out every day where I just kind of give a little pep talk or I don't know, something, some kind of perspective shift. And the very first post was all about how this year's a great opportunity to actually change things going forward. So, this year will be different, but what if this year was like the model for years going forward only mm. in that you really get to decide what you want to be doing? Um, I think it was someone either in in that thread or maybe as a comment on that on that first post was saying at first they felt like they would miss the parties and all that stuff. And then when they really thought about it, they're like, wait, no, I don't. <laughs> so yeah. not all of it has to come back is my point. Like you yeah. never have to take your kids to see Santa. Like that doesn't right. have to happen. Or you know, the school events, obviously those are going to happen, but you don't have to go to like work parties and stay the whole night and then have all the hassle that goes with that and the babysitter and all that. So this is, I think just a good year to really look at that white space, that kind of blank calendar we're all going to be facing down and maybe put some different things into it. Maybe there are some things you want to create traditions around that you haven't had the time and, and now you kind of can, and it is a mental load thing. And I think even in a non COVID year. We have more control than we sometimes think we do. Um, Mm -hmm. It's very easy to get caught up in the things we think we should do or the things we think we said we would do or the things we think we say we should say we can do or the things we think we have the bandwidth for. And really, we don't. Um, You can't do it all. And if if a priority for you is, is something like baking cookies or doing a craft or taking your kids around to look at lights. That might mean something else has to go just because it's the holiday doesn't mean you magically get more hours in the day or more days in a month. The month is still as long as as long as it is.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. I also want to add, I think it's a good thing for kids to see us modeling, um, not just saying no, but like looking at our priorities and our values and making calendar decisions accordingly. Like, I think you can say things out loud, even with young kids like, wow. That looks like it would be really fun. Unfortunately, we can't go to two different tree lighting ceremonies this year. We can only go to one, so we'll have to pick. Like I right. think it's 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 good for kids to see that they don't get to go to everything. There's not enough money and time in the world for them to go to everything. It's not a bad thing for kids to understand that they're missing out. I think sometimes we get protective of like not letting our kids know that they're missing something, but I, I think it's okay for kids to see that as a family we're making decisions about what we do with our time and how we spend our money, so yeah, agreed, yeah, yeah. well, um the last one before we go to break it has also to do with the calendar, only in a ramped up sense, and we had so many comments in the thread about thoughtful advent traditions that happen every day of December, so the expectation or the the um, pressure that perfect moms have a special Advent tradition or a special Elf on the Shelf tradition or both that happen every day of December, which means you have to be ready to do that thing on November 30th. And so many people mentioned this. And I, I guess what I have to say, Megan, is this is a recent thing. I mean, this is for sure a recent thing. There. We just had a, like advent calendars from the grocery store that had like bad chocolate in them. Well, when this is what I was, what I was just about to
0: say. By meaningful advent tradition, do you mean like I buy my kids, uh, yeah, like a like a cardboard calendar sometimes not until like December fourth,
1: right. and then hand
0: it to them, and then every day they tear out a piece of chocolate. Is that meaningful? Because if so, then I'm I mean, acing
1: it. it. Then you are acing it. No, <laughs> I mean maybe you don't even. I mean, people have like handmade little felt things where you do oh, an no. act of kindness every day. No, no, no. I mean, granted they're beautifully thought out things, but this is an example of the internet being full of ideas and us thinking that everyone's doing it. And and yeah. no like not to diminish anybody's special tradition if this is if the process and the experience are meaningful to you and your children, then by all means we support it. But but just no, not everybody's doing this. And the reason you're yeah. seeing it is cuz the people who are doing it are enjoying Posting photos and talking about it. It's a lot of work. I'd want to brag about it if I were doing something like that. But oh my gosh, no, you don't have to. There have
0: there have always been people. Well, the elf on the shelf thing is a totally different thing, newer, right? But there's always been people who do who do special advent traditions, who read from the Nativity story, or who make hand make things instead of like just give their kids crappy grocery store candy, which by the way is alive and well. You can still get those. Um, (laughs) but those people it didn't infiltrate to where even the kids were coming home, begging about it. I don't remember coming home and being like, mom, how come we don't do meaningful Advent traditions? Because I would have no way to know that other people were doing it. Now it's like, not only the parents feel the pressure, but the kids are picking up on it because they're seeing it too. So the the pressure has really skyrocketed, but I don't think there's that many more people actually doing it (laughs) than there were. It just seems that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would agree. And you know there's a lot of smart people on Pinterest and Instagram. There's a lot of very clever ideas being shared by very clever people and I'm not going to take away from those clever ideas, but I think the problem with idea sharing, it is it is just that. It is idea sharing in the way that we share recipe ideas and and other things, but it, it is not a prescription. Um so I don't know how we can help people separate like here's one meaningful way to celebrate Advent with your family like But you don't have to do that. Nobody has to do it. You don't have to do it every year. I will say this. I've said it a million times before. But when you're when you're dewy eyed and a newer mom and very excited about starting these traditions with your kids, just remember you have a few grace period years where they don't remember very well the year before. But once they're six or seven and they're locked in, it's a lot harder to take away a daily December experience than it is to never at it in the first place. It's not impossible. You can help your kids be flexible and switch gears, but I'm I'm really glad that I didn't start the elf. I'm just I'm I'm glad because I think it's harder to take that stuff away once it started. So think think about 5 years ahead, self, and yeah. and do you still want to be doing that, I guess. Sarah, advice.
0: I think on just like December 8th or 9th, we should post a call on Instagram or something or Facebook for people to share the photo of like the face down elf in the corner that only made it out <laughs> Yeah. For like three days. Because I bet you that's rampant. People buy it. It's cute. And they want they have great intentions. And then life gets in the way and you don't do it one day. And then it's like, you don't do it for a couple days. And you start to lose, you know. I, I think that would actually be very funny. Like all the very funny. elf on the, the shelf. Failed elves, yep, the, the, the failed elves. The dead
1: elf, The failed elf. I have also, I feel like this has turned into like a throwing in-laws under the bus. But we have also heard tell of family, extended family bringing an elf into the house. Telling mean. the kids about the tradition, and then who's left to move the elf? Mom, like oh it's like goodness. it's like abuse. It's like that abusive abuse. Ugh. <laughs>
0: Don't get me started again. We have to go to break at some point, right? We have to
1: go to break. <laughs> yeah. we are welcoming back Olive and June as a sponsor. And Megan, I'm so excited about this partnership because with spring right around the corner, I love refreshing the little things in my life, including my manicure. I am the biggest fan of doing my nails at home instead of at a salon because it's convenient, so much cheaper at just $2 a mani, and the results can't be beat. It all begins with Olive and June.
0: Yeah, Olive and June's mani system has everything you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. These are profesh tools designed just for DIY. A couple of the items included are their best-selling poppy, which makes it so easy to brush on a smooth coat, even with your non-dominant hand, which you do have to use about half the time, it turns out. (laughs) And their award-winning cuticle serum, which is so nourishing and a finishing touch I love.
1: Well, I've been a big fan of their quick dry polish for a while now. It seriously dries in about a minute, making it perfect for busy moms.
0: Visit oliveandjune.com slash themomhour for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first mini-system. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: So Megan, we got so many comments that were similar that we decided to kind of devote this whole next segment of the show to uh, the pressure to have a beautifully decorated home. And many people mentioned children in matching pajamas. So I'm going to add that to the tableau. You're supposed to have a beautifully decorated home. You're supposed to have kids in matching pajamas. You're supposed to be able to photograph it all beautifully. And guess what? You have to do it by December first. That's like the new the That's, new thing. I was now. like, wait, what? <laughs> the new thing now. And like I don't know, five or six people mentioned it that it's not only it's not only the pressure to create this visually beautiful kind of photograph worthy thing, but also that you're late if you don't have it all done by December first or even earlier. Um, and I just thought you and I could have like a, a general discussion about this Instagram culture. Cause we do have the benefit of remem- remembering the holidays before. So yeah. I don't know, start us off.
0: Well, well the first thing I want to say is I have a knee jerk negative response to that. It, it just t- separate from this, like Instagram culture topic in that, what does that leave to do? Like, if you have <laughs> to have it all done by December 1st, what do you spend the next 25 days doing? That's joyful. Like for me, there's a lot of joy and fun in the slow rollout Mm. of the decorations and the, um, adding little touches here and there. And maybe being like, Oh, this is the year I want to go buy another thing for this area of my house. And like, there's a lot of pleasure in that for me. And my home probably won't really truly be done until like the 20th. I'll still be adding and tinkering I would really hate for anyone to feel like they came in and took a snapshot of the way my house looks right now. And we're recording this on December 4th and feel like it's even close to done. That that, yeah. ta- that takes a lot of the pleasure of December away for me. Um,
1: not to mention
0: November has its own stuff. Like There's right. other stuff going on in November. So, you know, like th- there's things that you have to think about. You can't just take the whole month off so you can get your house ready. So that like that's separate from this bigger topic. But that doesn't even
1: sound fun to me. Yeah, agreed. And like you said, then what do you do with that beautiful space for twenty five days? I totally agree. Um, yeah. Now you used to work in magazines, and yep. I joined you when we were in internet blogging, internet content creating,
0: yeah, creation.
1: And I think it's worth maybe pulling back the curtain a little bit and and just having a very transparent conversation about content that is created for consumption during the holidays, because I'm not sure all of our listeners have the benefit of that like kind of behind the scenes but i just want i want everybody to remember that depending on who you're following and whose perfect houses you're looking at if it's your friend down the street then i guess that's more of a keeping up with the joneses type thing and i for sure have friends who i'm just sort of jealous of their ability to decorate a home and they just seem to do it effortlessly but i think a lot of our listeners are following influencer influencers in air quotes or content creators who do this as part of their job and um yeah. if you're not familiar those types of content creators, they may be making a large portion of their annual income, especially if they're in the worlds of food or product, you know, mm-hmm. like gift lists. They, if this is their job, they, this is their job. It's their yeah. job to have content ready so that the rest of us, and here's the key part, so that the rest of us can look at it and be inspired, but not that we're supposed to be, we're not on the same schedule as they are. Right. They're content creators. We are content consumers. And, And they have to be ahead so that we can get our ideas. And when I look at beautiful Instagram um, photos from people like that, I guess I don't take it as like a judgment on my timing. I just think, oh, gosh, that's like that's a really good idea for a mantle. I'm going to maybe tinker with mine over the next couple of weeks. But I don't apply the deadline to myself. And I I think, unfortunately, a lot of people do because we've sort of conflated this whole like what's an what's what's an influencer and what's a real person and where is the line? Where is the line? you'll have things to say because in the magazine, in the, in the olden days of magazines, it was even further back.
0: Well, yeah. And I mean, it still is like when I was writing for magazines, if I was going to be doing holiday content, I would be pitching the stories a year in advance. I would be getting the assignments nine months in advance and I'd be turning them in six months in advance. So I'd write about Christmas in May and you just get used <laughs> to that schedule, right? The difference is so in the media world, that's where the advertisers and the content creators, their brains and magazines are very, um, a very extreme example because they have, it takes a long time to put out a print publication. Like everything about it is time consuming. So they really have to be way, way ahead of it. Now you and I are working in advance. Like you and I started planning holiday content months ago. We started selling ad spots months ago for this spot. Mm -hmm. So like we've been there too. The difference is that I feel like when when uh, Joanna Gaines magazine, Christmas magazine or whatever, comes out, which was made six months ago and comes out on November 10th. For the holiday season, nobody picks that up and thinks to themselves, wow, Joanna Gaines has all of her (laughs) Christmas decorations up already. What an overachiever. Like we all know that's the deal. Even if we don't understand truly the behind the scenes of how it works we know that magazine is there to inspire us. Like mm-hmm. that's, it's a business. I think there is no, like no separation in our minds between people and paid influencers anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's very confusing. And they might, even if they're disclosing that it was sponsored, Um, and this has even gotten worse. Let me also say when we were blogging together, like back way back in the, you know, early blogging for money days, I was doing plenty of holiday campaigns in, December. Because Mm -hmm. there wasn't this like getting way ahead of it stuff like there is now. It's just become the industry has matured. Let's put it that Mm -hmm. way. And companies are on it early and they're making these deals with these influencers months in advance. And you're seeing essentially what is a magazine on social media.
1: Yes. It is not real life. I think that's such a good way to think about it because you're right. We don't get mad at seeing the, you know, Better Homes and Gardens holiday baking edition in right. November. We think, oh, I'm going to pick that up because now I have several weeks to think about my holiday right. baking. But you're right when we think it's a real person. And, and of course, they it is a real person and um, they might be presenting themselves really truthfully and authentically but part of their job is to inspire visually um, other people and part of the way they make their money, even if a post isn't sponsored, I, I don't want to make it sound like we're saying everything oh, they sure, do everything is directly has, yeah. paid. But, but the way that they have created content online is such that people need to be inspired and like and share their stuff because that's how their business works. And then I think what happens is we have we have women on the internet who aspire to be influencers or who are just inspired by them and emulate and then then it's like this um I'm picturing like a tidal wave it's like too yeah. big to stop um yeah. and that's where we get into this land where people feel like they have to have the tree up by December first i never i'd never thought of that before yeah, that's no. just to me a ridiculous deadline
0: and and even when i was blogging i will say you know to your point that these are real people like when i was blogging i was more on it about holiday stuff because i needed content you know, frankly, whether it was paid content or not, I needed it for my site. So the years that I was writing about that stuff, I did more stuff. Like I made more cookies. I crafted (laughs) more stuff and I loved it. Like there was a lot, I got a lot of joy out of that. And it was very, it benefited my family and it was real. Like I really was doing it at the same time. I made money from it. And you Mm -hmm. can't like, you can't separate that out enough. Like, it's just so important to think like, like, why would someone be so ahead of it? What is their purpose in showing this to me? Um, and if it's to get me inspired, then I could be, I get to be inspired for months. I could be inspired in January and do it then. So it's not, it's just, it's not that it's not real. It's just bizarro. It's like a bizarro world. Real.
1: It's bizarro. And it has created, um, a peer pressure culture where even moms who aren't influencers and have no, you know, aspirations to make money from their Instagram, are, I think it's, I think they're emulating or they're, or jumping on board. And that's like the slippery slope. So the whole, like I was smiling at the matching pajamas and the matching outfits because look guys, I had three kids about two years apart each. And there were many years where it brought me much joy to dress them up in cute coordinating outfits and take a picture of them in front of the Christmas tree. There's nothing wrong with that. And I didn't feel particularly like I had to do it. I just, they were my little, that was like the reward I got for not sleeping for for six years. (laughs) Like now they don't want to wear the matching stuff so much, but I still, I might do it or I might coordinate them with their cousins. If there's joy in that for you. And there is joy. I actually really love that kind of thing. I love photography. I love sharing and creating beautiful pictures of my home. I moved into probably the prettiest home I've ever lived in um, this year. And, and I don't really, I don't want to have to like feel bad or apologize for that, but I also don't see it as, because I don't consume that kind of media in, in a way like, oh my gosh, I need my house to look like that. Or I need to have my kids be matching on this day. So I don't know. I want to be gentle with our listeners. I'm not trying to make anybody like feel bad if this is, um, hard for you, but I also just want to lovingly encourage people to find the online, the visual influence that feels good to you and not the ones that feel bad. And there are plenty, Megan, you and I were kind of laughing before we recorded that we follow like older influencers, kind of like people who are like, well, yeah, like people who've been on the internet for a long time and who share really authentically and they might share beautiful recipes or beautiful homes. And of course we love that, but, but it's, it's a different generation maybe. So I don't know, just an invitation to be really critical about who you're following, what it makes you feel like. And if you need a break, uh, like an Instagram break completely or an unfollow for a period of time, like think of that as a gift to yourself.
0: And I think that it's, it's a really good point, Sarah, that you really enjoyed the creativity of getting your kids all dressed up in front of the tree and getting that picture. And I'm sure that one out of every 10 moms <laughs> feels the same, but there's effort. Like that takes mm-hmm. effort. Um, someone's probably going to cry during this. Maybe mom, like you might have to have like professional equipment involved to make it look the way yeah. it looks
1: when you see it on those, on and those pages whatever. And on top of that, what did I not do? Because I right. had fun with that creative process. I didn't right. make dinner. I can tell you that much. Cause I really right. do like, I didn't, I didn't do everything. I just did that thing because going back to that process versus product, that that's a fun That's, that's fun and joyful and rewarding for me, but there was something I didn't do because I worked hard at the outfits and the photo and, you know, the Instagram sharing or whatever. So,
0: right. And to go back to the questions you posed at the very beginning of the episode, it was worth it because you enjoyed the process and the product and it mattered to you. But if it didn't matter to you, then you have to kind of go down the list. Does it matter to anyone? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Who does it matter to? And if that person is like, you know, five or six or seven down the list of, you know, your priority or if you aren't even sure that person cares or if you don't care if that person gets the thing then that then it's not worth it. It's not worth the effort.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um I want to talk before we wrap about your blog post series. I know you mentioned it earlier in the show, but I feel like this what we just discussed, this rather toxic part of the culture that we've just discussed, the antidote to that is your blog series because um first of all you have 24 years of holiday parenting under your belt. Second of all, I think you probably just came to motherhood with um, a more common sense sensibility about a lot of these things like you just yeah, you're just smart. And so do you want to talk about a couple of the concepts? Um, The one I loved was about the not having a mantle for so many years, and that's kind of home related. So maybe you can talk about that one and any any other posts that come up. But basically, it's 25 days of little tips of perspective, really as an antidote to this kind of comparison culture we're talking about.
0: Well, I think just to, just to be, you know, fair, I came to motherhood at a really golden time, I think, because there was so much information out there and it was so, I was so able to access different points of view and different people and really build a community of people that I didn't have to know in real life. But at the same time, like this kind of pressure that we're dealing with, where it's just, it seems like it's coming from all corners, really didn't start happening until after my youngest was a couple years old. Um, I look back now and think about like the pictures I shared on my blog then when I was like pregnant with Clara when she was a baby and they were like terrible dark pictures. And I didn't care. I never even thought about it. It was yeah. like that wasn't the point. That wasn't what the internet was about at that point. And um, it's really changed a lot. So it was like a good time. You could make all those mistakes in private. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. you got to make them with your own values in mind or what was important to you. And and people did talk about the high pressure of parenting in the 90s. And I just laugh. I'm like, oh, oh brother, you didn't even know you have no yeah. idea how it was going to get. So, um, with the series, it's really just me. It's going to be like a lot of validating. So right now, um, when we're, as we're recording this, there's probably five or six that are written. And the other day I will talk about that one. Cause I think it just, it's like a, a silly little thing that kind of sums up this kind of pressure we put on ourselves that I was not immune to, even though I didn't have these external pressures was that I grew up with the, really cool fireplace. And part mm-hmm. of the holiday for me was always like stockings hanging on the mantle. And then somehow never managed to have a house with a fireplace in it, on it, in it. Um, Besides the first year that Jacob was, when he was a f- newborn, and then maybe like one other time for like a year, we had no fireplaces. So I had to figure out other things to do with stockings. And it sounds so silly, but I remember just every year being kind of bummed That Mm -hmm. like, oh, one more year, I don't have a fireplace. Is it even Christmas then? And having my six-year-old ask, where's Santa going to come from? And me being like, I don't know. And (laughs) of course, I just said, he's going to come in the back door. And it was Isaac. He's like, oh, okay. Like, he didn't care. But I made a big thing about it. And I think like taking that story now and saying, what if I lived in a house that was too small for a a tree or a big tree? Or Mm -hmm. what if I right now was a new mom. And I, all I saw were all these photos of some scene I could not recreate in my house. Mm -hmm. And that was my earliest experiences and thinking about how bad that would feel. And so it's just kind Mm -hmm. of like, the idea is that you have so much to offer, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, it's enough. And it's like, you're, you're enough, whatever you're doing right now, it's, it's more than you think it
1: is. I love that. And you also talk a lot about um, the kind of cumulative memory making of the Mm -hmm. holidays. And we've talked about this on the podcast several times where, you know, our own Christmas memories or holiday memories and our kids holiday memories are such like a fuzzy amalgam of really like several years. But that's so hard to know when it's your first, second and third and fourth holiday as a mom, because you can count them on one hand and it feels like feels like you have to do the same traditions every year. It feels yep. like changing the traditions is failing. And so what I love that you bring to this is like your kids have stocking memories of waking up to stockings that were filled. And, and even in the same way each year, even if there was no mantle, even if like it was a little different, the place that they found them every year. So that perspective you can only get when you have amassed enough years to see kind of the macro patterns rather than like the micro right behaviors.
0: Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. a good way to put it.
1: Well, um, we will link in the show notes of course, to how to read all of those blog posts. And we're also kind of teasing them on Instagram each day. So, um, I think this was really uh, it was helpful to me to talk through some of these. Yeah.
0: Sorry I was so ranty. No, it's okay. It was
1: it was there's there's room for that. I think there the is people. Room for that. Room the people rant. need to know that we rant a bit too. And
0: I really do want people's pictures of like their failed elves and other like I want to see the stuff that doesn't get followed through on because no one really posts that either. Like started well, this, didn't finish.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like started this tradition, hated it, quit, you know. Yeah. I love that. I in our Instagram stories on the Mom Hour Instagram last night, I posted my kitchen I don't know if you even saw it Megan I just did did. it spontaneously because we'd just been talking about these picture perfect house pressure and I mean I walked out after putting a kid to bed and I was like oh my gosh like this is like this is worse than usual (laughs) like this is something (laughs) worth documenting in the for the opposite reason like we need to document that this this is real this this happens to everybody so All right. Well, this was fun. And we will be, of course, on the Instagram and in our Facebook group, continuing the discussion. So join us there. um, And we'll be back with you all next week with another More Than Mom and another brand new episode. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Hey, everyone. We have a favor to ask. If you are an Apple Podcasts user, can you check really quickly to make sure you're still following The Mom Hour? Apple did one of their big software updates recently, and it changed a bunch of things about how you get the podcast you're subscribed to.
0: If Apple Podcasts is your podcast app of choice, all you have to do is find your way to our show page and then click the little plus sign or follow in the top
1: right corner. Thanks so much. Hey, everyone. Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening and left the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, just navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole, and then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much.